It's the best in throwback hits radio. It's Mighty G Force Radio Soul, and we're back with another living life different with Miss Michelle Fisher Gilmore. How you doing today? I'm good. How you doing? Thanks okay. for having me again. No doubt. It's a privilege. Now you have a guest today in the house, right? I do. I have a good friend I grew up with um, from our hometown, Doherty, California. Shout out. Um, his name is Mr. Dwayne Fitzpatrick. Hey, Dwayne, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good morning, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Um, so I understand that you have a new book coming out. And would you like to tell us the title of your book? Yes. The, uh, the title of the book is, uh, the main title is uh, Rude Awakening. And the subtitle is Story of the Forgotten Crip. Oh, okay. That's a that's a good one. That's a good one. So, Dwayne, tell me, what inspired you to write your book? Uh, inspiration came from two main sources. Uh, the main source uh, was my daughter, uh, who was 11 months old uh, when my incarceration began. For, for those listening, uh, I've been home two years now after serving 33 years in a California prison. Um, my daughter was 11 months old at the time my incarceration began and I wanted her in the event I never made it home to have a first hand account first hand knowledge of uh, who I was how I was why I made the choices and decisions that I made that you know led to my incarceration so I wanted her to you know hear directly from me uh, in writing so she would always have something to kind of like reflect on you know, as she was, you know, growing up and, you know, going through her different, you know, stages of, of life, you know. Oh, okay. The other source, uh, the other inspiration uh, came from uh, a fellow uh, Crip Gang member uh, by the name of uh, Cody Scott, uh, Monster Cody, a.k.a. He wrote a book that was, uh, you know, pretty infamous uh, throughout, uh, I would say, California in particular because that's where he was based at. But throughout the, the California prison system that a lot of people were you know, up in arms about. Um, but it just chronicled his uh, his life, you know, his beginnings and, uh, you know, how he kind of evolved into who he became. And I just knew that that wasn't how my story began. That wasn't mm-hmm. uh, who I was and how I got it kind of indoctrinated into that lifestyle. So I wanted to change the narrative. I didn't want to just become a statistic or a stereotype based on uh, what his experiences were. Yeah, yeah. So you were able to put pen to paper and express your, express yourself and tell your story yeah. your way. Absolutely. Oh, good, good. So um, I was looking at your book and looking at some of the titles and I wanted, to, I wanted you to talk about some of the chapters in your book. Like, um, we're going to start with number one, Humble Beginnings. Can you elaborate a little bit on your humble beginnings and how things started for you um, in your book? Oh, sure. Um, I grew up in a you know in a two parent household in a like a, a lower lower middle class community. You know, I didn't grow up in the projects or in a you know, part of town that you would think. You know, I mean, um, you know, children running around. You know, growing up in that area was going to you know grow up and run rampant. Uh huh. Um, I grew up, you know what I mean, going to church, you know, being a, in a choir as a youth, you know, playing Little League Baseball, you know, running in the Jesse Owens track meets. And <laughs> we was news, there. We were there. You, you remember that? I remember that. Yeah, you know, yeah, throwing newspapers, you know what I mean? So, I, mean, I had a typical, typical childhood. I had a childhood, and unlike Michael Jackson, I had a childhood. You exactly. Know? And I, had I made better choices, I mean, as a result, you know, people kind of put in my life to kind of like, you know, push me in the right direction uh, at those critical stages when I was making my bad choices, I'm, I'm sure things would have turned out differently. Yeah, I so my humble beginnings, yeah, they, they kind of like it just chronicles uh, what my experiences were in my early childhood. Okay, okay, thank you. And what about chapter five? It says the wrong road. Elaborate on that a little bit for me. Uh, the wrong road uh, at that point in time in my life I knew that I was well should I say I didn't know that I was on the wrong road because at that point in time in life you're just making choices split decisions and one thing that I learned you know later on in life is that once you make a you know a series of the right choices 
you can put yourself in a pretty good position, you know, going forward you know, into your adult life, into adulthood, should I say. At that point in time, uh, I was on the wrong road because I didn't see a way out. I just assumed that, you know, everybody that was, you know, a part of what I was a part of at that time, that we were all, you know, this is this is just who we are who, and, and, and what we are. And we really didn't have aspirations beyond what we could see. You know what I mean? We, we were just living day to day. So being on the wrong road was just... Um, something that I didn't actually uh, recognize at the time but as I reflected back on my on my life as I was writing my story I realized uh, where those uh, areas of my life uh, you know spiral from yeah I understand I understand well let's talk about a little bit about your family you said you grew up in a two-parent household um, yes we, we you know we didn't grow up like the Brady Bunch, but at the same time, we didn't grow up as Fresh Prince about Bel Air, as well. Um, we 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 had humble beginnings, but um, at some points, we didn't even know they were humble beginnings. We we were just doing, you know, having a good time. So when right. you came out, how did your how did your family greet you? Were your were your family supportive? Were they standoffish? Um, talk about how you were greeted when you came home um, by your family. Uh, well, first of all, we got to remember um, more than three decades had passed from the time that I was arrested to the time that I came home. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a, a series of highs and lows, yeah. uh, meaning uh, while I was incarcerated, I ended up losing both of my parents and my big sister yeah. to cancer while uh-huh. I was incarcerated. So the heads of my family, uh, at least here in California, you know what I mean? They were no longer present. And my family, you know, my immediate family, you know, they were they had pretty much branched out. I mean, I have very little family that still, you know, blood relatives that still reside in California. Uh-huh. So everybody, is, you know, they're a phone call away, you know what I'm saying? Thank God, you know, for social media. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. So we can actually, you know, see each other and converse and kind of reconnect, but it's, it's still a process. Yeah. It was still a process. I mean, I had other siblings, I mean, who had been in and out of prison during the course of time in which I was in there for that long, uh, extended period of time. So a lot of them were kind of like, you know, standing back. They wanted to see, has he really changed? Has he has he grown? Has he involved? Even though he wasn't um, that terrible uh, sibling, they still wanted to see whether or not I was going to, you know, uh, follow in my some of my siblings' footsteps and be you know part of that revolving door you know what i mean yeah because i so, remember when I, you went in we were what were we yeah, in, our, we were in our yeah we weren't even in our 20s we were still no. we were in our early teens so exactly. um yeah exactly. you did everything in prison you did yeah. puberty and mid-20s everything. i mean your whole life like you said three decades was spent um you had you grew up behind bars Pretty much, yeah. pretty much. So, Dwayne, when yeah. you came home, um, the friends, the friends that you had, you know, we had growing up in Duarte. When you came home, how were you received? How were you received by your 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 friends, your old crip mates? You know, were were they still out there banging? Um, did did you see growth within them within those three decades? You know, how was those relationships when you came home? Um, some of those relationships were, should I say, almost as if time stood still, because uh, with, with them, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them still hanging out at the park. A lot of them are still doing some of the, you know, the, the adolescent things that we was doing when we were when we were teenagers. You know yeah, what I mean? So that's something ago. that you know. That, yeah, that's something at this point in time in my life that I can't I can't be a part of. I can't I, I, I refuse at this point in time in my life to kinda like, you know, uh for lack of a better word, to dumb myself down to 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 hang out with you, you know what I mean? To yeah. to meet you on your level. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So the friendships, they're still there, but I don't, you know, view friends and relationships the way that I once did as a immature teenager you know what I mean yeah. I value friendships I um I look forward to being able to have a adult you know intellectual conversation you know what I'm saying with, with people now that I don't feel as if I'm an introvert anymore you know what I mean because growing up 
I mean, I I had some of those issues, you know what I mean, with being able to express myself. So being that I've kind of grown through that, poked through that, and I evolved, you know, from uh, my experiences, you know, being on the on the inside looking out for all those years. Uh, it's just certain things that I, certain you know, ways of communicating that I just refuse to to go back to in order to, you know, what I mean, to to get along or to or to maintain certain um, connections with people. Yeah, I understand um, that. Over, yeah, yeah. Overall, being embraced. I mean, there's there's been a lot of you know showing of love. Um, but again, it's 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 in my mind, it's, it's kind of superficial. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's conditional. You know what I mean. So yeah. at this point in time, I just you know, my I, I just gravitate towards family. You know what I mean. I look forward to working with at-risk youth. I look forward to you know just being a part of anything that's positive. You know what I mean. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Since you've been home, have you started like any foundations? Have you started working with at youth at um at risk? youth um to you know tell them your story because i'm telling you it's powerful to have a story um as you know i also write a wrote a book uh, my book mm-hmm. is stronger than the day before finding peace in my mental health and i mm-hmm. find it very rewarding um talking with the youth helping the youth um telling them my story because i'm able to you know elevate them from one situation to the next situation just by talking about me and my story and some of the trials and tribulations that I've gone Mm -hmm. through um do you Mm -hmm. do you see yourself doing things like that in the future or are you doing things like that right now yeah that's that's something that I definitely uh want to get into uh I've I've made a lot of inquiries I've even talked to local uh, police agencies you know I'm saying Mm -hmm. to connect me you know I'm saying with the right people I reached out to Duarte High School soon after I came home to try and, you know, solicit a, a position at the school or even just, you know, put me in the gym, you know what I mean, where we used to have those pep rallies at. Put me in the gym with everybody. Don't even, exactly. don't even tell them why, I'm, you know, why they're there. Let them think that they're there for a pep rally, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, and let me come in and let me talk to the youth. And, the, and the, uh, the principal at the school, he was open to the idea, but right um, after we had, had that conversation, that's when the pandemic hit. Oh. So, of course, all the schools, everything had pretty much stopped. So there was no no movement. There were no students to speak to. So everything got kind of like put on hold. And since then, I've kind of like, you know, gotten caught up in the world. So I'm just trying to survive and just trying to, you know, uh, get reacclimated to society. So yeah. I, I know that could be difficult coming out. Um, right. And, that could be, and speaking about, you know, trying to get acclimated back into the world, how are you um, navigating through employment? How do you find, um, how is it trying to get employment? Because I know it could be hard when you come out. Uh, it can be extremely difficult because, um, you know, your background, you you, you get um, labeled. Um, a lot of employers, they'll tell you that, um, you know, they, they can or will uh, hire uh, convicted felons, and you know, because some of them get actually have government grants and they get right tax write-offs. Yeah. But in a lot of instances, um, you have to utilize um, uh, connections, relationships that we have. Of course, there's temporary agencies and whatnot that will that will bring you in. And then I, I was gone so long that a lot of things are just not, um, should I say, uh, uh, obtainable. Yeah. For a lot of potential employers, but the ones that do, um, they have different ways. Uh, private agencies that kind of like look into your past because you kind of you appear different. You know what I mean? You conduct yourself different. And I'm talking about men that have been incarcerated for a extended period of time. We we view life differently. We conduct ourselves differently. We speak differently. Um, we walk differently. We talk differently. So a lot of times they don't really know what to do with us. Yeah. So. I bounced around through a lot of different warehouse jobs, and currently I'm a Class A driver. I went to driving school and got my truck driving license. Oh, good, so, good, good for you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I do have an opportunity to drive, but even sticking with some of those companies long term, because one thing that I'm a, I'm keenly aware of now that I wasn't aware of, you know, growing up was uh, my triggers. You know what I mean, so anything that kind of like reminds me of being on the inside. Is a should I say a a a trigger and something that I try to you know distance myself from. There's a lot of opportunities out here 
but it's just about finding them and then being able to, you know, capitalize uh, on them when those opportunities present themselves. So I'm, I'm still searching. I know God yeah. has a plan for my life. He didn't, He didn't deliver me from what He delivered me from, not to have one. So, Amen. Amen. <laughs> now I want to talk more about you mentioned triggers, and triggers. Um, mm-hmm. I deal with a lot of triggers. You know, um, dealing with with a diagnosis with a, a mental health um, disorder. While you were in, did you find yourself dealing with any mental health issues, um, long term or um, short term? Did you find yourself at times um, just not, you know, wanting to continue your 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 time in, or you know, can you talk a little bit more about your um, your mental health? I know it had to be um, hard at some time at times. You know, like when your parents passed. Uh, I can I can definitely you know say unequivocally I never got to that dark dark place uh-huh. to where um, you know removing myself out of the equation uh-huh. came uh, into, into effect because um, I was you know I had a lot of people praying for me yes you know what I mean and a lot of a lot of people praying for me early on and also I I was blessed with uh, a lot of fortitude that I, I didn't even know that I, I had. You know, mm. where I saw a lot of men, and I know a lot of men who actually, you know, took their own lives. Yes. And some got on got on medications and whatnot, and just went haywire. Um, I would see these examples, and I just, I just always knew what I what I didn't want to happen. I didn't want, um, you know, the final chapters of my life to be written in that way. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of challenges, but the challenges I never allowed my mind to. Um, to give up, to lose hope. Um, of course, there had to be something wrong with um, the way I thought because I wouldn't have been in that situation that I was in exactly. um, had I been thinking, like saying, like a, a normal member of society. But when you're uh, in that situation, the only thing you're thinking about is just survival, getting to the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a challenge. But I did a lot of reading I did a lot of studying I did a lot of introspection And I was blessed to have good people in my ear In there I was able to find good people To be in my ear And they're constantly Men that I'm still in contact with today Some are still incarcerated Some are home like me um, That I still communicate with That helped me I'm saying through some of those rough patches, you know what I mean, to help me, you know what I mean, make uh, you know the right choices at at critical times in there. Otherwise, I may have still been in there or worse. Exactly. So that basically can can what you just talked about can go to chapter thirteen in your book, The Road to Recovery. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That road. That road was a long, twisting, winding road. That uh, caused me, I mean, to change. It caused because change is not popular in theirs. I mean, people want to always see you one way. You know what I mean? So when you start to change in their minds, I mean, uh, when I say they, I mean your your peers, the ones who have seen you, the ones who have gone to battle with you, the ones who have gone to battle for you or over you. when they see you starting to change and start to gravitate, you know, I'm saying towards more spiritual things, more things that are righteous, a lot of people they're opposed to it. You know what I mean? And they don't embrace it. They're afraid of it because they 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 struggle with that. You know what I mean, with their we own change. identity or they struggle with yeah, it's yeah. change. You know what I mean, just being able to uh, to do something different because yeah, doing something different means you're elevating. You know, change yeah. to some people they don't like that because it means that you're elevating yourself, you're elevating your mind, your mental capacity, and and some people right. don't want you to to elevate. They want you to stay stagnant, right there with exactly. them. Exactly. And Misery he, loves company. Exactly, know? and God does not want us to stay stagnant. He wants us to elevate and change and become better people and um, better people in society. In society. So we're gonna go ahead and take a break, Dwayne. And when we come okay. back, I want to talk about um, your wife. I know you got married in 2017. Yes. Talk about your wife. Talk about um, how she has been able to um, to be your backbone and help you navigate through um, coming home and being home. So when we come back, okay. we'll talk about your wife. We'll talk about um, never-ending drama. 
and we'll okay. talk about no place like home so we'll be back okay. in just a moment stay tuned listening to Mighty G-Force Radio Soul, the best at Throwback Hits Radio. Best and Throwback Hits Radio, Mighty G-Force Radio Soul, and we back with Living Life Different with Miss Michelle Fisher-Gilmore. Take it away. Welcome back. Today I'm continuing my interview with Mr. Dwayne Fitzpatrick, the author of Rude Awakening, the story of a forgotten crib. Thank you for, thank you for joining me today, Dwayne. Um, Back to your story. Um, now I want to talk more about your wife. I know you got married in 2017. Congratulations. So how Thank was you. it um, before you came home and, and when you came home? How, how was that transition? Coming home, now you're a married man. Um, you're coming mm-hmm. home to, you know, uh, new beginnings, um, a new wife, technology, um, open spaces just 
your world just changed. How was that? Well, uh, even though I've been home a little over two years, it's, it's still a process. I'm still in transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I've gotten used to you know people being around me and you know, large groups of people, should I say? Like for example, uh, I think the first time we went to a shopping mall, I just felt uncomfortable. I felt paranoid. You know what I yeah. mean? Because I wasn't so I wasn't used to all this freedom of movement. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? People just moving around me from all different angles and you know what I mean, not knowing who's a friend or a foe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was part of, you know, the mentality that I had grown accustomed to, you know what I mean, being uh on the inside for so many years, you know what I mean? You 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 build up this uh, defense mechanism and even though everyone around you, most people, they're not even they're not even thinking about you. They just, you know, you're just another, you know what I mean? It's like a you know a, a piece of debris on the highway. They're, they're they're there for the reason that they're there. They're not even paying you no attention. But in your mind, your limited thinking, you're thinking that everybody's watching you. You're thinking that everybody knows who you are. You know what knows I mean? Your so story. You go through those different emotions. Say it again. I said you think that everybody knows your story. Know that that you're different. Right. Right, right. Everybody think that you. Everybody know that you just came home and so on and so forth. But it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't that. That wasn't the case. That was just another example. Of my mind playing tricks on me. Yeah. Um, as far as as far as a relationship, I mean, uh, uh, of course, uh, that's been a, a challenge. It's something is different. You know what I mean, when you're in a eight by twelve uh, for over three decades, you know what I'm saying with a, another person that's of the same gender, you don't get. You know what I mean? The the dynamic that you get in a in a normal household setting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's still a work in progress, but it's it's coming along nice. I mean, my wife, um, you know, she's from Belize. She's not from the U.S. and she doesn't have or hold a lot of the uh, tr- traditional values that um, a lot of Westernized um, people and women think on that level. She thinks on a whole different level, and. That's that's because of her humble beginnings. You know what I mean? It's become of the her challenges and the things that she's had to overcome in her lifestyle and in her, her lifespan. So it's it's been a challenging. Um, she's twelve years younger as well. So um, but she's a good woman. She's strong, very spiritual, and, and she's very hard on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is the God knows that I I want it. You know what I mean? A very strong woman. Um, come home too. I mean, yeah, someone well that you know, I'm proud of checking me if I'm wrong about something. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a blessing. You you need that. You need yeah. that in your life. You need someone that, that gonna keep you on the straight and narrow, and tell you yes. the, and tell yes. you the truth and allow you to walk in your truth. Right, right. Whether you whether you like it or not, whether you, you like know? it or not, I understand that. Also, Dwayne, I want to talk to you about technology. You were gone for three decades. So basically, when you left, we we still had the rotary phone. We still had. Um, I don't even think we had remote controls yet, or they was just Probably. coming in. You know, we still had to you know turn the turn the TV. Um, so talk to me about how 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 was your transition to just a cell phone when you first saw a cell phone? Because I know sometimes you guys have access to cell phones. Um, Inside, so you were probably able to, you know, navigate through that. But how was it when you came home and you you have a, a cell phone that, or the TV, or just you know stereos, or nobody has really has a stereo in their house no more because everybody listens to, you know, iPods and things like that. Right. How was that for you? Right. Um, I still haven't caught up with the iPod. I still haven't caught up with that one. But I know they're out here. Uh-huh. At some point, at some point in time, I'll I'll uh, I'll catch up with that, that that piece of technology. But just dealing with the the, the regular run of the mill um, technology, um, a lot of those challenges I overcome them because I I hand them off to the kids and ask them. I mean, to show me this or show me that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, like like when I came home, I had to have my daughter. You know what I'm saying I set up a Facebook page for me. I didn't, I didn't know how to do all this stuff. Yeah, and it's still a it's still a lot of unanswered questions to me. I mean, there's be some of the simplest things that I don't understand about the technology because it's not what I grew up with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, do you do you find yourself getting frustrated 
or because I look, I've been here, and I'm telling you, I have ten year old grandsons, and I I get so frustrated sometimes. I'm like, look, just do it for Granny, because I, I, you know, my anxiety <laughs> set in, and it's just too right. much. It's too tedious. Right. It is. I mean, for me, um, a lot of things that frustrate um, the average person, they don't frustrate me because I had to learn patience in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that I, I something that I didn't possess as a youth. So I, I had to learn patience. So uh, a lot of things that I guess would fester, like like for example, in the truck driving industry, you do a lot of you do a lot of sitting and waiting a lot of times. Yeah. Especially if you arrive somewhere where you're supposed to deliver a load, and I see a lot of men, you know, going hysterical because they have to wait two three hours. Me, I just kick my feet up more than Netflix. It's, it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm I'm still getting paid for for being out here. Exactly. So, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't move me in that way. Um, I get frustrated uh, a little, a little bit with it sometimes. The technology, because it's something that I feel as if something I should understand at this point. Mm-hmm. But when I don't, I just, I just ask for instruction. One thing I don't have a problem with doing nowadays is asking for help, even if it's some, some might be one of the smallest, silliest things to the next person, but it's not small and silly to me because. It's, it's new. It's information. So exactly. I just take it in and just, yeah. and just you know, keep the line moving. That's true. So, and it's it's just never ending, never ending. So let's talk never more ending. about your never ending drama. What okay. what's that chapter about? That seems interesting. Never ending drama had to do with. Um, a lot of the different uh, experiences that I was dealing with while I was incarcerated, and like I said, losing um, losing my beloved mother, yeah. um, and just the you know the uh, the mounting things that were transpiring uh, in society. You know what I mean? That you know a lot of people in, in society probably don't think that we're affected or that we think about or that we even care about what's going on in the general public, yeah. but we but we do. You know what I mean? Were That's you able to come older, home, Dwayne? When your mom passed, were you able to come home? No, no, no. no. Okay. That 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 is one of the privileges that you that you give up when you go in, especially for a violent crime. Oh. They don't, they don't, they yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't have any remorse for you. They, okay. far as they're concerned, I mean, uh, you did the time, you did the crime. These are one of the things that you that you have to um, accept. Okay, so that uh, was not even an option for you. No, okay. no, no, that wasn't even option. you. You you had to grieve. Uh, under those conditions and then even while doing that you still have to maintain a certain uh, posture yeah. because some men will see that as a sign of weakness yeah. you know what I mean you, you're supposed to just take everything and just bury it in the pit of your stomach and just keep moving forward you know what I mean mm-hmm. because unfortunately I mean you got a lot of you know you got every kind of criminal in there known to mankind yeah. and a, a lot of them are just are just not very sensitive you know what I mean they're desensitized and they expect you to be desensitized, even if you're really not. On the outside, you 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 have that exterior as if you are, but on the inside, you know what I mean? It's a whole different ballgame. I mean, you put your head on your pillow at nighttime, and you you know you're thinking about your own reality. That's when you have to face a lot of your fears. You have to face a lot of uh, you know the things that that make you uncomfortable, the things that you know that you miss the most. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, the devil in drama. Um, chapter uh, in a nutshell, pretty much uh, chronicled, uh, you know, what I was dealing with, and as I was starting to, you know, go into my phase of of learning and applying it, you know, what I mean, because you can read through anything you want to. That's you know, that's designed to help you grow, help you evolve. But until you start putting it into practice, you know, what I mean, that's where your growth starts to occur that's when people start to look at you differently mm-hmm. that's when you start you really start to help other people around you when they start to see you starting to gravitate to, towards different things you know yeah. what I mean that are that are positive yeah so Dwayne at what point at what point in your life like in your your I know it wasn't in your 20s so when you're like your 30s your 40s your early 50s when did you start to see the shift in you change when did you start seeing it and and really feeling your shift like I, I like this is my reality now i gotta start thinking about when i'm gonna start when i'm going home when did you when did you mm-hmm. feel that shift can you talk about that 
Yeah, that's a good question. That's a uh, actually excellent question. Um, I can actually say when I met my uh, my wife to be in 2014, the summer of 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, when I met her, I mean, I I, I had other relationships um, with the women when I was in there, but none like this one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I met someone who was who was genuine, someone who who listened, and someone who I could tell wanted this relationship. And that meant a lot to me. So at that point in time, I knew that I had to be the person that she expected me to be. I had to be the man that she was, you know what I mean, spending her time and her resources on. I knew that I had to, uh, she was she was spiritual. And when I had the cell phone, I wasn't calling the homies. She had me on the prayer line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Five o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm on the prayer line. Mm, getting prayer. You know what I mean? Uh, participating in the Bible studies. You know what I mean? Listening to the Sunday service. Yes. I, I think I missed the whole 2015 NFL season. I still don't know who won the Super Bowl that year. Because <laughs> she had me on the phone. Tell you who didn't win. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know who won it that year. But, yeah, um, she just gave me that spark that I needed. Something to gravitate towards. You know what I mean? Because in there, you have a tendency to you know gravitate towards what gravitating towards you. I mean, you hold on to what's trying to hold on to you. Yeah. And when I saw that God was giving me the desires of my heart, that's when I realized that yeah, it's 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 for real. I mean, this is this is the time. And then the laws started changing. That's when the youth offender laws came in. When George Governor Brown started changing the laws, he wanted to revamp the prison system. And I started seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And all those things really, you know, kind of help me, you know, get focused and get serious and really start taking those support groups seriously. You know what I mean? Because they were designed, I'm saying, to prepare me for the, the parole board who I had to speak to ultimately to get an opportunity to come home. Yeah. And how many times did you have to go before the parole board? I went to the parole board uh, a total of five times. Okay. Told the five times, and it was on the it was on the fourth time that I went that they gave me what's called a, a three year denial, and a three year denial um, lets you know and tells them that you're almost ready, you're almost you're almost there. We oh. just need you to go back and learn this yes. and come in here and 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 be able to express that to. Like for example, when you go in front of the parole board, they already know who you are or who you were. They want to know that you know who you are and who you were and how you're going to make better and different choices and decisions going forward if we let you out of here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there was a point when I had to go back and I had to really, really learn what insight was. I thought I knew what it was, but I, had, I was so far off, it was, yeah. it was ridiculous. But once I was able to go and understand exactly what that word meant, and, and actually understand what empathy exactly what empathy is. Yes, that's when that's when you know. So when you went through the parole board, did you at any time face the family? Uh, the family of of the victim. Yes. Yes, I mean they were at the court hearing. They were at uh they were uh, at the first two or three parole hearings. And then they would just submit uh, a letter, yeah. you know, stating you know, what they thought should happen. You know what I mean? Which is, you know, any family member would, you know, yeah. want not want the person coming home that you know as was involved in taking the life of their family because their family member is never coming home. Mm. So I had to get to a point to where I felt them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Empathy. Yeah, I didn't look at them. Yeah, I didn't look at them as as an enemy. They were just being human. You know what I mean? I had to understand from their perspective where where they were coming from. And I, I just tried to just you know focus on doing the things to show them that I was going to be uh, a better person and a better man as a result of uh you know what happened because it wasn't just their family that was affected. My my family was affected as well. Exactly. You know, by my choice, and my decision. So. You know, there was just a lot of healing, a lot of hurt, and then by the time I went to my final parole hearing when I was granted my release, there was no opposition from the families, from the victim's family. I guess they learned about everything that I'd done, what I'd accomplished, and 
they figured that, okay, well, this man, he's been in there long enough. You know what I mean? Let's you know, give him a chance. Everybody else is around. It seems like they're getting an opportunity. So let's, let's give him an opportunity. So was that I'm, you coming I'm home part years. of your reality TV? <laughs> uh, no, the, my, the reality TV section, actually, um, I'm discussing what's going on uh, around the time of 9-11 when that happened. Oh, my, okay. Yeah, my response and my reaction to it because uh, everybody was affected in one way, shape, or form by it. That was something that was never seen in you know in, in uh, Western society, ever. Yeah. You know what I mean, so yeah, I mean there was a there was a lot uh, that I had to say about that. So that was uh, that was reality TV at its worst. At its worst. You know? That was that was scary. Especially, yeah. I mean, I don't know how it was on the inside, but that was very scary on the outside. 9-11 was no yeah. joke. Um, to yeah. this day, we still feel the effects of 9-11 just on one thing, travel. You know, yeah. just trying to get in and out of, of airports and I'm sure bus station and train stations, you know, forever change. 9-11 forever changed that. So let's talk about number 17, No Place Like Home. We're home now. So there's no place yeah. like home. Elaborate on that. Um, no place like home. Uh, you know, the, my first 15 years of my incarceration were in Northern California prisons. So when I left in 1987, I didn't come back down to Southern California, to, you know, to, to be further incarcerated until 2002. Oh. So um, in that particular chapter, I'm talking about, you know, what my anticipation and my what, what my expectations were. I thought, I mean, that you know, somebody was going to roll out the roll out the red carpet, and and, and the visiting room was just going to be filled up with crowds of people that was, you know, coming to see Gump, coming mm-hmm. to see Dwayne. You know what I mean? Oh I had wow, thoughts, I forgot about uh, that nickname. Yeah. I ain't heard that yeah, nickname I, in a long time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I had all these, yeah, I had all these false, unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. So coming home is when uh, where I got my reality, um, my reality shot. That you know things have changed. You know, I mean, people have changed. People are not the same. People have grown up. People are there were kids when you left. Teenagers, they're now grandparents. You know what I mean? Time did not stop for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was just uh, eye opening to go through um, the realization of that as I was uh, writing through that chapter because I was meeting people that I knew. Um, in my youth that I was coming across and they were, you know, they weren't the same and they thought that I was still the same. You know what I mean? But at that time I was already going through my my uh, my mental or emotional spiritual transformation. So I, I wasn't the same person. I didn't think the same. Yeah. I didn't want to talk about the same stuff. It was just um, Yeah, your mind elevates. You you have to change. Exactly. At some point you have to change. You have to elevate you your have mind. To. You have to. You have to. You cannot stay stagnated. You cannot stay stuck in uh, that particular frame of mind for your whole life. Otherwise, you know, we know some examples. Yeah, because um, you know, I don't. I don't go home as often as I would like, um, mm-hmm. because to me, it's just not home anymore. You know, my mom and dad, like you, are both um, deceased. Um, I don't have a family home to go to anymore and when I do go home I see the same people doing the same thing now there's a lot you know there's a lot of growth back home um a lot of infrastructure which is you know sometimes I go home I can get lost but some of the people that you know I went to elementary school junior high school high school college are just basically doing the same thing and I you know and I look and I I'm like wow like Wow, you know it's kind of yeah. sad. Like you know, you, you really you doing the same thing. And and what's so sad about it? They have their kids, and their kids are right there with them. Look like us yeah. when we were growing up. Yeah. that's some. And I'm like, wow, you know, it. Yeah, it's really sad. So you have one on here, and I'm really interested in you talking about this: the rising of the sun, and you have sun underlined. Yeah, I mean, I had to come to a realization that I'm a, I'm a child of God, you know, mm-hmm. and that uh, ultimately uh, feeling forgotten, you know what I'm saying, which is, you know, part of the title, Forgotten Crip, 
Um, you know, the devil plays with your mind. You know what I mean? Big time. Especially yeah. when he has you isolated around a lot of people that are um, don't 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 really care about you. You know what I mean? Um, so the rising of the sun had to do with being reconciled to him. Yeah. I mean, understanding, you know, that that old saying in the Bible: if you raise a child in the way that he should go when he's older, you know, what I'm he will not depart from it. Amen. It took me. It took me to go through everything that I went through. I mean, to, to reconcile me to him, to realize that nothing is going to go right in your life until you get right with God. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, like you said, uh, you published your book, I believe you said, on your mom's birthday. I actually got baptized as an adult on my mom's birthday yeah. in 2019 yeah. while I was still incarcerated. Yeah. It's, you, I still find myself doing little things just to honor my mom, just to make me feel like Absolutely. she's somewhere. She, I, I mean, I know she's she's looking over me, but I do little things just to remind mm-hmm. me of her. You know, her and my godmother, Miss um, Tobert. I do little things in my life just to make sure that I keep them close. You know, yes. as close to me as possible. Yes. Okay, Dwayne. That's your yeah, that that is my foundation. We're gonna go ahead. We're gonna take a take our last break um, for this interview, and we'll be back with you in a minute.
and we back for the break for the closeout. Very deep, very deep show. Deep brother been through a lot, you know. Seeing him building his life back up, man, it's it's a great thing. So it lets you know, no matter what you go through, it's never too late to rebuild who you are. Uh, go ahead, Michelle. Welcome back. GFN Radio So I'm still doing my interview with Mr. Dwayne Fitzpatrick Thank you for being here with me Dwayne I totally appreciate you and your story um, It's a pleasure Thank you On your last chapter It talks about Being forgotten When you went in Did you After a while did you feel like you were forgotten Did you have to come to <coughs> Like soul uh, search Yeah uh, uh, Absolutely I mean because again You go through so many Different peaks and valleys In there And being that I had lost So many family members And I had other family members Who had moved away You know That were off You know Doing their You know Living their life You know what I mean Being parents Being productive members Of society You know Raising their grandkids And then you know Having you know People that you grew up with that you know you don't feel as if you know is is paying you enough attention or giving you enough support whether it's financial or otherwise hmm. you have you have no choice and you know to but to to think about you know i mean when you were home and in your mind how you will be responding towards someone who was you know, had to had there been a role reversal so it wasn't um it was a it was a period in time in which i was Thinking about, uh, yeah, people out there have, have have actually forgotten about me. You know what I mean? They've forgotten. They 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 forgot that I'm in here. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people, you know, particularly um, people that I grew up with, uh, like yourself, they didn't see me as this as as someone who was going to grow up and, and and go spend three decades in prison. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I would have in, in the yearbook picture. I would have I, I would probably would have been the last person. Yeah. Um, so last, someone would have pointed at and said that then this is what's going to happen to him. But no, uh, when I reflected back on it, I see where I was making some of those decisions, where people were saying little things that were kind of like you know pointing towards my future if I did not you know change. Because to my family I was one person, then to some of the knuckleheads in the street I was somebody else, and. It wasn't until, uh, you know, things came to a head when I uh, took a life. That's when I realized that, uh, you know, hey, man, the world, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't stop just because you're incarcerated. You know what I mean? People are still, you know, the world is going on. People are, you know, living their life. And it took me a long, 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 long time to come to that realization. Yeah. You know, I had posted something on Facebook a while back and I, you know, when I posted it, I didn't think I was going to get the reaction that I did get from it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people had called me out on it. And what it was, mm -hmm. was I basically said, and I, you know, I said it, I, my daughter has this saying, she says, I said what I said. And <laughs> basically I said, <laughs> as we get older, the people that you love the most you find out don't love you at all and what i meant by that was you know as we get older we you know growing up in dewardy and morovia we were very close-knit we were very close-knit community and then when when you leave and you still you know i still say oh this is my niece this is my nephew this is this and that and this is my sister this is my god sister whatever and then you realize that these people really don't feel the same way you feel because you I'm holding on to those relationships. But I've 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 been gone for 23 years, you know, and I just right. moved from state to state so I can see how yeah. you would feel that way being gone for 30 something years, you know, and you come yeah. back and you fit you have this this relationship in your spirit how you feel about somebody but then when you start interact interacting with them you notice that they don't feel the same way you feel no no exactly you know exactly. and that could be kind of heartbreaking like you you know you gotta yeah. sit back and go oh okay okay i see you so now i got to shift my thinking yes exactly that's it, it, it can be very very humbling very humbling be very humbling very yes, humbling, very humbling. Okay, so Dwayne, we're going to talk about um, 
information you know i want you to talk about when your book is gonna drop um your a date if you have any um facebook information you want the people to know where they can contact you where they can order your book um a phone number if you want to put a phone number out there uh well i can be reached um directly uh erico 760-261-1751 my email is d d fits f-i-t-z with two z's 81 at gmail.com and i can give you some information as it comes to me from my publisher in regards to a release date i know it's uh it's coming soon i know she has some ideas or some things that she wants to do uh prior to its release mm-hmm. i know that everyone who has pre-ordered thus far that they received uh it's the first chapter of the book and i mean so they just kind of like you know get an idea of uh where the story is coming from what my humble beginning was all about oh wonderful so kind of like yeah kind of like my birthday whistle a little bit to see uh exactly where i'm what happened in my uh early uh adolescent years well i can um, tell you i'm so excited to read this book um I'm excited to read the book and you know like I told you earlier I'm going to make sure I buy several copies because I'm going to put it on my website um, so people can you know purchase your book through me too Um, I just want you to know my brother that I am proud of you Um, you you. went in you did your time you paid your debt to society Um, you're home now I know it's, it's not easy but with God's grace it's going to get better I'm going to put that yes. in the atmosphere. Um, I'm going to make sure I have you on again when the when your book drop. Um, okay. So we can talk more, more about that. Do you have any closing remarks for us? Uh, well, what I want to say is that, uh, you know, people have to understand that a lot of things that happen uh, with people that are, that, you know, go to prison. Uh and some, unfortunately, who don't even make it that far, you know what I mean? A lot of things happen in childhood. Uh, Childhood traumas are real. Um, Childhood bullying is real. Um, People just need to understand uh, the development. Everybody has different uh, learning curves. They develop at their different rate of speed. So just to be patient, be tolerant, if you can take the time out to make a child, take the time out to raise a child. Amen. So, uh, when you do that, you know, man, keep them, give them a good spiritual foundation. And uh, like me, I'm, I'm living proof. You will return at some point in time. You know, and I always say, God chooses his warriors very wisely. He gives to those that he know can handle the situations. Because he knows mm-hmm. that we're going to come out on the other side of the rainbow. Absolutely. With that said, I thank you so much, my brother, for coming on Living Life Different with Michelle Fisher-Gilmore. I pray that your steps are ordered by God and God only. And I pray that you make the right choices from this day forward. Thank you for coming on, Dwayne. You be blessed. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Okay. Be blessed. Bye-bye. No, I'm just thinking if I could. Okay. So thank you, Dwayne, for coming on and sharing your story with me. I appreciate you so much. If there's anyone out there that has a story similar to Dwayne, um, I would love to have you on Living Life Different and we can discuss if there's anyone that is dealing with any mental illnesses. I also am in part of that community i can be reached at 972-742-0285 or you can send me an email at living life different podcast at gmail.com i'm also on facebook at living life different and at stronger than the day before Come on and let's share our stories. Let's get our community talking. That's the only way that we can heal. You heal when you talk and you share your stories. 
Thank you for joining me today. This is Michelle Fisher-Gilmore with Living Life Different.